Welcome to She Said Let's, where we chat the tricks and treats of the business of film and TV. Shine a light on women who've empowered us. And dish on plot twists in our life we just had to say. Let's too. In today's episode, we'll be doing something a little different because it's our one year. So we'll be looking back on some of our favorite segments with our fantabulous guests of the past year. Happy birthday to Let's. Yeah. Usually in many of our segments, we answer the prompt as well. However, today we're just highlighting some of these amazing creatives that we've had on the pod in the past. So shall we get right into it? Let's. The first one, episode 17, we have Ariel Zadok, real or prosthetic? Ariel is an intimacy coordinator, health and safety expert, and sex coach. I met Ariel through my former podcast co-host and one of my best friends, Jenna Richner. Ariel and I immediately bonded over the fact that we are both Leos, so shout out Leo season. Since her episode, she has relaunched her podcast, Birds and Bees Don't Fuck, where she brings on primarily comedians to educate people on how bad our formative sexual education is. She has lots of new content that she pushes out weekly, so please be sure to follow her pod on Instagram, TikTok, wherever you can find it to keep up with the latest updates with her. Ariel, since you get to know the behind the camera of these types of scenes, we're going to play a spin on our segment, Let's Match Her Up. A segment where, in this case today, we'll name a full frontal scene in film and TV, and you must guess or tell us if you know if the penis was real or a prosthetic. Oh my god! Which we were just <laughs> talking like, about I'm earlier. So bad at like memory recall, <laughs> and oh man, okay. <laughs> well, the backstory of why we wanted to do this was because, as you were mentioning earlier, nudity and sex scenes have always been super prevalent in Europe. Um, and they don't even really see nudity by itself as being sexual, which I believe is the correct way. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence, a lot of their artwork in general. And then in the 1960s, when more of the U.S. laws lifted, this type of art made its way over to America. However, it was mainly females that have been exposed until recent years. So now it's time to discuss what, for some people, find more taboo or gasporty, the dicks. The dicks. The dicks. Yeah. (laughs) So we are going to name a project, the actor, and then you are going to let us know if it belongs to the man or belongs to the makeup department or the the dick prosthetic (laughs) person. That was going to be a big if if I've even seen it. All right. (laughs) Let's try. All right. Are you ready? The first one is going to be from Sex Life, which we just talked about, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be Adam. Which is oh. Brad, plays Brad. Oh, yeah, no, that's prosthetic. You are correct. <laughs> yeah. Like I said before, if it's something that is very big or very small or character oriented, story focused, anything like that, it's going to be prosthetic. Which it was because it was to make her husband at the time feel, you know, lesser than. It was a plot point. Yes. Yes. Also, worth noting, bigger is not always better. It's just relative to the hole that you're putting it in. That's true. True. That is true. (laughs) Okay, next. Palm Springs, Andy Samberg. I saw that movie. I don't remember the scene. I would have to actually see the penis and the action and what was going on to be able to guess. Uh, Can you describe the scene for me or what was seen? Do you remember remember the scene? Because I don't remember the scene. Yeah, he was running through the desert. 
he had like a tropical shirt on at the time, which he does always because I guess they relive the same day over and yeah, over. It's like Groundhog um, Day. Was it a wide shot, or was there like a close up? It on was penis? not. It was not close up. I but believe that, it was a wide shot. Yeah, that was. I, that would probably be him. It <laughs> is. Correct. Yeah. Uh huh. So you already mentioned this one before. It was Boogie Nights, and that is you a know, prosthetic. Yeah. And Bob Kurtzman made it. Shout out to Bob. Yes, Bob. Bob, tell us your ways. Yeah, he's great. I've worked with him before. I, I absolutely love him. Next, American Reunion, Jason Biggs. Ooh, I think maybe I saw it. Uh, what is the scene? Can you describe it to me again? I just know that this was the one. This was not American Pie. And it no, wasn't American Pie 2. This, this was, was American got a little Reunion. Bit older. So Jason was older. Yeah, I definitely didn't see this movie. Just by who the actor I mean, is. What do, you, what do you think? If you had to guess. I'm going to say prosthetic for him. I, but no, because he... Oh God, this one's really hard. I just It's so hard for me to say without context of the scene and what he's doing because something like if you give the, the Andy Samberg example, like if it's wide and it's silly and running away... Probably it's him, but if it's something that's a little bit more close up, maybe it isn't actually an intimate scene or it's a plot point, story point, something like that, then it'd be more, you know, it's probably going to be prosthetic. Also, if he's in the scene with another person having to be touching and, oh, by the way, if there's like a hand on a penis, if there's a hand on the penis in the scene, definitely a prosthetic. So good to know. I'm going to guess that maybe there's a hand on a penis here and it's a prosthetic. I don't know. I had no context. <laughs> it was real. It was real. It was, was that real. my first answer? Did I say real? No, I said, I no, think prosthetic. I said prosthetic first. Yeah. I just, it's so hard to know without context of the scene well, I think or the sometimes shot or anything. Too, kind of what I'm getting from it is like, if it is a funny movie, then there's probably a better chance yeah. that it's real. Yeah. Right. But still, people, I mean, it's still your body part. So, right. You know, yeah. yeah. And again, like, it could be a comedy, but a close-up shot, and right. someone's not going to want that. Or it could be a comedy, and there's a hand on the penis, and someone's not going to want that. If, if right. there, again, if there is a hand on a penis, it has to be a prosthetic. That's a sad rule. So, um, yeah, so hard to do this without context of the scene. If we, if we were watching the scene, I guarantee you I would get 100%. You would know. Like, yeah. you need the photos. Yeah. Um, okay, the great Nicholas Holt. Oh my god, I love that show. Uh, I, do I remember seeing his penis? I haven't seen it in like two years. I mean, there's so many sex scenes in that yeah. in that show. Um, yeah, but even within the same show, some of it could be prosthetic and some right. of it could be real. I think probably his. No, I want to say prosthetic. Oh fuck! It's I, I gotta <laughs> see the scenes. Uh, it's shown multiple times in this show. I mean, for th but but it, still, I mean, I it's not. It I'm pretty sure it's not. Time, I'm so. pretty sure it's not just a like a scene of his day. Yeah, and I don't remember it necessarily being a plot. I think it's his. I think it's his. It is his. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's just more so him. Like you know, he's always chatting it yeah, up when he's. It was fucking, like a very casual, just like. Yeah, I'm, I just happen to be naked. Yeah, like I'm right. a king, so yeah. I'm just naked. So, right, yeah. I'm a king. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Sometimes we're naked. Mm -hmm. Okay, Ratched, Finn Whitrock. I Ratchet. don't know is what any of that is. is. Ratchet? I thought it was called Ratched. I think it's Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet? Ratchet? Ratchet, yeah. 
Well, I don't know the show, and I don't know the actor, it's and I don't know what anything's about. Sarah Paulson is it's a Ryan Murphy production. Yes, and she wasn't she a murderer? I'm gonna um, say prosthetic he, if it's Ryan Murphy. You are correct. That's right. <laughs> See, there's so many factors that could go into this. Peaky Blinders, Killian Murphy. Oh, I'm just making that face because it's on my list of things that I really want to watch. <laughs> but I don't really know anything about the show. And I don't know that actor. I don't know if this is like he a- was also on 28 Days Later. And he also had a full frontal scene in that. And both of them have the same answer. Then it's probably him. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because it probably means that he doesn't He's really give it. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's willing to take those roles. That's who my yeah. dog's named after. I know. <laughs> Killian Murphy. The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Jonah Hill. I don't remember the scene, but I feel like Jonah would do it. <laughs> You're correct. Yeah. 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 Those uh, comedians. Guys, I'm kind of nailing yeah, yeah, you are. You are. Yeah. Those comedians, they really, they don't give a shit. No, they don't. You know? They're very comfortable uh, with a lot of different world, things. comedy yeah. world, yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of problems in the comedy world they as well. one of themselves, right? you know. Uh, but yeah. Um, okay, this one I feel like was just talked about a lot, so the answer is probably obvious, but White Lotus Season 2, Theo James. Oh, I think that is a prosthetic, but I didn't see it. But I think, I, I, I'm saying this because I think that I've heard conversations yes. about it being a prosthetic. Um, I gotta see White Lotus, y'all. It is, it is a prosthetic. Oh, it's so good. But yeah. Well, this next one is a movie. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Jason Segal. That was his. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like everybody knows that one is his because he talks about it all the time. Oh, I um, didn't know that. I just. I, I didn't know that he talked about him, it all the time comedy. either. I know that. Yeah. I remember the scene and yeah. all the, Yeah. 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 Okay. Euphoria. Eric Dane. Uh, Euphoria, I think, has a lot of sex. And I. It does. feel like he's probably young. No, this is no. Eric Dane is the older guy. Wasn't he in like 90210 or some shit back he in the day? He was in um he was not in General Hospital. What's the other one? He's like McDreamy or McSteamy. Oh. Oh, the uh, yeah, yeah, one of the Grey's Anatomy. Grey's, yeah, that one. Yeah. I knew it started with a G. Eric Dane is one of the dads of the hot Jacob Elordi's character. It might be a prosthetic. Correct. It is. Okay, Minx, Taylor, Zachar, Perez gonna need context on this one i'm the worst for i didn't watch the who's show been working in this industry my oh whole God. life I i'm pretty sure it's just them it doing out, like a casting situation where they have to see the people naked so oh, it's those, not those actually are gonna be real then. so it's not actually a sex scene yeah i think those are probably going to be real unless again is anything a story point of specifically scripted big small curved this way that way like if it's, is that does that play into the story it does then it's going to be a prosthetic good job yeah <laughs> because i think that's what they were looking for yeah, right like they were looking yeah. for like kind of like the perfect penis yeah yeah prosthetic yeah, yeah. um uh, 365 days why do i know nothing <laughs> michelle maroney Michelle. Michelle. My I was man. like, who the fuck is this? Even I have put gorgeous. this on here. He's a gorgeous, gorgeous man. I don't even remember what he looks like. So I'm going to need some context. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched this movie since 
2020 whenever it came out. Oh, the Italian dude. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. He's so hot. Yes. I forgot that was his name. There's a lot of sex in this movie. There is like a, lot. a lot, and it's, it's like a, it's like hardcore. It's like this guy it's kind of kidnaps. like a Fifty Shades moment. Where was it filmed? Italy. Yeah. Then I'm gonna say it's real. Correct. <laughs> Thank oh God. my God. Okay. Normal people. Paul Mescal. I don't know the context of that show. I think it was like maybe a dry comedy or like a dark comedy or something like that is that yeah and it's a uk it's like a british uk and i think it was like regular people relationships so i don't think that the penis would be a plot point or that we would be seeing any sort of extraordinary sex scenes or anything graphic uh i'm gonna say it was probably real Correct. Mm-hmm. You're just killing it. I right know. Now. Seriously. This well, this is the last one, Ooh. and I feel like it's the easiest one. Oh boy, um, I'm gonna fuck it up. <laughs> it's Pam and Tommy, and it is Sebastian Stan. That would be a prosthetic. Yeah, because it talks. It literally has a yeah. face on Wait, it. Wait, why don't I remember that part? Oh, it's Dude. whenever they. I think that they had just taken Molly. And he woke up and he's literally just talking penis to his penis. Yeah, well, he's like, oh well, he's and like Seth Rogen plays something. the voice of the penis. Ah! Oh, <laughs> I don't think I, re- oh, I just have such a bad memory. Next, we have episode five with Emily Elise Burton. We do I'm a blank and it's for only murders in the building. So Emily is a director, writer, actor and co-host of the podcast, The Gal's Guide. I met Emily through another guest that we had on the pod, which is Joe Mwamba, at an event that he hosts that is an extension of the WGA Virtual Mix Discord channel. And since her episode, Hannah and I had the pleasure of being on her podcast, The Gal's Guide, and we chatted about how birth order affected our lives. Plus, Emily's short film called All We Were was just an official selection at Liftoff Global Network Los Angeles. So hopefully you all will be able to see it very soon. We're back with my favorite segment now. I'm a blank. Where we choose a movie or a TV show and we decide what character um, we are and the backstory of why we're that character. And this week, we'll be doing the Hulu murder mystery, only murders in the building. It's a show we all love that's built around a podcast, in fact, and it sort of makes fun of the addiction many of us feel to the true crime ones. Ahem, Hannah. Yes, me and half the planet. (laughs) (laughs) I I love spooky stuff and I love listening to true true crime podcasts whenever I'm on a road trip. Because I like to imagine how many dead bodies I might be driving past. It sounds really <laughs> fucked up. No, like, I get that. But, right? Okay. I'm glad I'm not alone here. No, I have driven through the Mojave Desert. And the entire time I'm just thinking, you could hide so many bodies out here. Like, Yeah, and then you're listening to a true crime podcast. Yeah. And you're like, and then they were found underneath a shed. It's like, okay, great. What about that one right over there? Yeah. How many people are buried there? Anyway, regardless, we all love a true crime podcast, but Emily, would you like to go first here or would you like us to give you an example? No. So Kay told me about this last night because she was like, I feel like we're all going to be like Selena Gomez. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because let me tell you right now, I 
am Martin Short's character to a T. Like I, I can live, see that actually. I live for all Oliver Putnam. Let me tell you why. Because one, I dragged my co-host into doing the podcast that I have, just like Oliver did. <laughs> That's interesting because we've already talked about it, but Hannah also dragged me into doing this. So. I'm also like, oh, let me like just do that one more time, like for you know, like for coverage and everything. Like, just let me get the audio. Also, I love a good dip. Like, I I love dips. They're they are great. Like, they are fantastic. Are you reading everything I wrote down? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I literally wrote down this man is a big dip lover and we all know this bitch loves a good dip <laughs> okay maybe that's why i like both of you oh my maybe. god honestly probably. probably i make a lot of good dips so i can yeah, see why I, you both want to be around me you are a good dip queen i'm a dip there queen and dip i queen. always say that the best dips look like vom which isn't appetizing but they do hummus looks like vomit crab dip Ooh, I love a good crab dip. Mm-hmm. Spinach artichoke? I'm yeah, allergic. that does look like, that no, also kind of looks like vom a little that's bit. That's sad. Yeah. You're a, oh, yeah, you are allergic to shellfish. I'm yeah. so sorry. That's I okay. Said, I can eat plenty of other vom dips. Well, this is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. Go on <laughs> yes, with this. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh, we no, got caught up in dips. Yes, yeah, this is the dips. And then, I mean, he's a director and just, he's a Leo to a T. Like, it is, and he's always dressed fabulous. And then, he always forgets to pay people back, which is also me too. It's like my toxic flaw is that I forget to Venmo people back. It's my ADHD. That's all I blame it on. Next is episode four with Tony Sarandos. I'm a blank. And we talked about the show Big Mouth on Netflix. Tony Sarandos is an editor extraordinaire and co-host of the podcast My Plus One, which we also were graciously guested to be on there. I met Tony over the course of the pandemic through my roommate, Mariah. We immediately became internet friends. And then once we finally met up in person for a little matcha moment, um, we immediately hit it off and never looked back. Uh, Since his episode, he's been pushing out new content for My Plus One with his co-host, Vinny Fastline catch our episode anywhere you can listen to podcasts um prior to the strike more so uh, he was the main editor on a film with a mutual friend of ours and there's more to come on this post strike and he's still just editing away like the king that he is so look out for all things tony i'm a blank where we choose a movie or tv show and decide what character we are and the backstory of why this week we'll be doing the netflix animated comedy Big Mouth. Which Jordan Peele is in as one of the characters. Which, as cringy as it may be, we've all been through these awkward teenage years and can relate and laugh our asses off at all the strange monsters that accompany our main characters. Tony, uh, would you like to go first or do you want uh, us to show you an I example? I gotta sit up for this one. Oh, <laughs> he's preparing. I got two. Okay. And I happen to know how to do impressions of both of them. We're very excited about this. <laughs> this is the best. Um, the first one is Lola. Our girl, <laughs> Lola. Um, I, I identify with Lola because I, I get it. I get her struggle. She just wants to be with Andrew, but Andrew doesn't want to be with her. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if that's a struggle or not. I just, I just really like doing her voice. That's why I like... <laughs> Wow, so Lola and then Rick. 
Rick is the other one, which is everyone who is listening and don't know who Rick is, that's uh, Coach Steve's hormone monster, the really old one who's, like, falling apart. Um, So I'm just going to say a couple lines to get into the character. So yeah, Lola's, perfect. Oh, my God, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rick is like, you're the man, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you know, I'm just, I'm just Rick. Hey, Lola, have some Kevin. Oh, my God, you're so gross, Rick. Leave me alone. Uh. <laughs> okay, that's a lot better. See, now okay, it's all about pitch. Uh, <laughs> it's all about um, pitch. And then Steve's like, you know, I'm Coach Steve. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it's like, uh, okay, you're the man, Steve. You're the man. No, you're not a man, Lola. I'm sorry. Oh my God, Rick, did you just call me a man? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't even know what to say. Yes. <laughs> It's okay, I guess. Uh, I'm just gonna go and eat some peanut butter now, Rick. I'm just gonna pull my thumbs. We actually don't have Tony on the show anymore. It's actually yeah. Nick Kroll. Yeah. Sorry, that's all I got. It's, it, uh, <laughs> that listen, was plenty. I, I didn't warm up. I was out of my element here, but I tried my best. You I, hopefully, you guys don't throw phenom. shade at me. That was, I mean, my jaw was like on the floor the entire time. Yeah, we had to cover our mics. Next, we have episode 13 with Jose Neteras, uh, where we did Let's Plot It Out, horror film edition. Jose is a writer, actor, author, producer, all the things, uh, who I met when we were both emerging content creators for an Aleep conference. And since being on the pod, his film Departing Seniors, which he talks about on the pod, had a screening at Cannes and made its world premiere at Fright Fest in the UK recently. And Jose blew both of us away with his knowledge of scary flicks. So get ready to gain some knowledge. Well, as any listener of the pod knows, we love a game. And because Jose is primarily a horror writer, <laughs> uh, horror. a horror, uh, a Latin exorcist. <laughs> I am a part that, of that. A Latin yeah. exorcist. Yeah. Today, we will be pulling random horror movies out of this here mailbox and we'll try and tell you about it or describe it as fast as we can in a segment we call Let's Plot It, it Out. Right. So the timer is, it was right there. It's the timer on is here. Phone. Yes. And we have less than a minute per horror film okay there's about 50 horror or suspense films within this little mailbox and i do want to mention that i took these from the top horror movies listed via rotten tomatoes so throw your fruits and veggies at them and not <laughs> at me if you don't agree with some of these we all know um, how rotten tomatoes can be sometimes so. yes. yes and just to clarify like it's going to say like 90s and then say the name of the horror film and then you have to plot it out so describe like what you remember from that movie and okay. in one minute okay 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 like it could be the actors that are in it it Do could I have to be go like first? no no hannah's gonna go okay. first great um so because I'll, I'll be the example yes. and i'll be like great. frantic over here like <laughs> and, and then and then okay. because she gets very nervous and so I... I like to make her go first oh fuck love it yeah so okay. are you ready it's ready as also ever be. read the read the time it's from 2010s mm. <gasps> midsummer Oh my God, yes, I have the director's cut of this and we're going. Okay, so this movie stars Florence Pugh. Mm -hmm. This got her her start, I believe, like really just fucking catapulted her. It is based, so Midsummer as a whole is something that they do in Sweden. And I know this because I work for a Swedish company. <laughs> Ooh, hair flip. Um, and it, hair flip. 
ready to go. So Midsummer is something they do within the summer. So this movie actually does not have anything to do with actual Midsummer. But basically, this group of people, it's Florence Pugh's character, her boyfriend, their friends go on this trip to, I believe, Sweden mm. to like go and do Midsummer, which is like at this campground. Um, all in all, a lot of weird shit happens. Some old guy like jumps off of a cliff and like kills himself. They watch people have sex in like this weird like town hall. Um, and and um, Florence Pugh is crowned the the May Queen, and it's just a glorious time. Saw the movie on a date once. Oh, really? It was not the right choice for a date night movie, but you know, you live and you learn. Hey, that's okay. Yeah, it's your I think turn. Horror are you movies so are fun for date nights. Yeah. Then you can like <gasps> grab each other. You need to like, like knee grabs. Yeah, like a little knee subtle, grab. Subtle little knee yeah. grab. <gasps> and then just keep it there. Is that my knee? Uh, is, that <gasps> your knee? is that your hand? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is 2020's The Black Phone. Okay, <gasps> this is great. It's an yes. adaptation of a story by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son, <laughs> starring Ethan Hawke. Um, it is very good. It's very dark. It's set in the 70s. There is uh, this killer that's going around like kidnapping little boys. And there's a little boy and his sister. And they have an alcoholic father who is very like dramatic. And then the little sister has like psychic visions because apparently the dead mom also had like psychic powers. But either way, the little boy gets kidnapped by the serial killer and is locked in a basement where there's a black phone that's not attached to anything. But it rings. And he starts talking with like the ghosts of the children that were murdered by like Ethan Hawke's character. And the little sister has to use her psychic dreams to help find and save uh, the little brother or the older brother, the brother from the serial killer. Um, what? Oh, that's uh, but it's very good. Um, there's a very <laughs> traumatic scene where like the drunk father, who's actually grown up Elliot from ET, um, <gasps> is in it, and he's like, "You're not your mother. Your dreams are just dreams." And then the little girl's like weeping, and she has like, "Oh, stop! Oh, stop. Is that I got okay. you, God. I got. We got so into it. We were like, "Yes, keep talking." <laughs> it's a great movie. I literally the the fun fact that you just went in there and killed me. Oh my I couldn't God, even no. pay attention anymore. Then I was trying to rack my brain. Like remembering what he looked like, and I could not remember what he looked like at no, all. Oh, huh? Yeah. Me either. He's in a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff now. <gasps> oh. yeah. Grown up Elliot. Wow. I hope I'm not lying. I'm 99% sure that that's him. It These might fun facts. Yeah. Wow. You killed that. I knew you'd be good at this. Um, the 90s, The Silence of the Lambs. <gasps> okay. So I actually just watched a TikTok. It won Best Picture the year it came out. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it is an adaptation of a novel as well. Um, it stars Sir Anthony Hopkins. And Sir. what's her face? Jodie Foster. Um, it's great. It's about Jodie Foster's this female FBI agent, and they're trying to track down the serial killer who's kidnapping and skinning women. And then so she goes and talks to Hannibal Lecter, who's this like brilliant psychologist slash cannibal who's in jail. So she goes and talks to him, and he's like slowly playing games with her, helping her solve the case because Buffalo Bill, who's a serial killer, kidnaps the senator's daughter and has her in a well, and it's like puts lotion on his skin, <laughs> blah 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 blah. And then Jodie Foster has to kind of navigate a sexism in the FBI. Which yes. is very real. B, finding the serial killer who's abducting women because it's like this weird sort of, they describe Buffalo Bill as this aspiring trans person, but it's not true. And even in the movie, they say that it's not an accurate Stop. description of his identity. So, 
Wow. That was iconic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Buffalo Bill. You as know? soon as you said uh, Silence of the Lambs, all, the only thing that I could think about was Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. yeah. Just Lecter because I really like that name. The lotion I think he skin. won Best Actor for that movie, too. That might be a lie. Okay. Uh, the 2020s, The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the bitch from The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen? No. No. That's Close. Mary-Kate and Ashley's sister. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. This Elizabeth Moss. Oh, okay. So anyways, she is very good at scary roles because she has that really like almost like demented looking like mad face. Um, and her husband like somehow finds a way to pretend that like he dies or something and then does some weird technology about how like he becomes like an invisible man so he can still like stalk around their house and like fuck with her and stuff. But I don't remember what the fuck the actual point of him doing that was, but I do know that they lived in a very high tech weird house and shit and it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere and there was like a uh, like the sea or something was like outside uh so which made it even more creepy i don't know if it was in the pacific northwest or something but i don't really know what the point of him doing that was unless he was just testing it or something or something about money that he would get because he was dead i i really don't know but it was very unbelievable Stop. <laughs> I don't know, but it was very unbelievable. I didn't believe it. <laughs> I didn't believe a second. <laughs> Nothing of it I believed. It rang false. <laughs> it's your turn. Okay, okay, okay. 2020s, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Okay, oh. Bodies, 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 starring Amanda Sandberg and that girl from uh, Shiva Baby. Um, and also like Pete uh, Davidson from SNL and Lee Pace, who's great. Um, it is very satirical. It doesn't really feel like a horror movie. It's almost more like a, a thriller. Um, but there's this group of very like affluent uh, Gen Zers, I would say. They all go yes. up to this house and then there's this girl who comes and she wasn't invited because she's kind of been ousted from the group. And she brings her girlfriend and there's this big storm and like there's a blackout. And so they're going to play a game, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Pete Davidson's character ends up like popping up dead and then they all just kind of like short circuit and think there's a murderer so they go around and accidentally kind of kill each other and themselves until they find out that nope Pete Davidson's just kind of an idiot Um, (laughs) but it's like it's very satirical it's very sort of like a a chamber piece thriller drama ensemble comedy black comedy Um, but yeah it was was cool I'm gonna say it's a horror you're done Well, Rotten Tomatoes, I'm telling you, these are the people that we have to blame. It's good. I liked it. 2010's Ready or Not. Okay, 2010's Ready or Not stars Samara Weaving. It's great. It's about this girl. She uh, is just kind of regular, but she marries into this very wealthy family. And they have this like secret tradition where on the wedding night they have to play a game. And it could either be a normal game or it can be like Ready or Not Hide and Seek. And if it's Ready or Not Hide and Seek, then the bride has to hide. And the people have to kill her. Like the family has to kill her because they're all like these rich, crazy people who made a deal with the devil. And so the whole movie is like, you know, Samara Weaving is kick ass and like, you know, she's getting beat up, but she's doing her best. And it's like, okay, are these people just crazy or is like this deal with the devil real? And then it has one of the best like final twists at the end with regards to that. I don't want to like spoil it in case you're Whatever, watch we've it. been spoiling all sorts of shit. Oh, yeah, the devil's real and all the rich people blow up and it is so good. <laughs> <laughs> it is so fucking good. And it's got one. One of the best last minutes at the end like she's just like in this beautiful wedding dress drenched in blood smoking a cigarette it's very funny very darkly comedic 
Oh, but it's stop. a great movie. See, I keep forgetting to stop this for <laughs> you. You only missed it by like two seconds. Isn't yeah, yeah, crazy? yeah. It's, it's, it's not crazy. crazy. It's also starring a crowd favorite of our, or like a favorite of ours. A favorite of ours. Sir Adam, Adam Brody. Brody. Yes. yes. And the directors are the ones from the 2022 Scream movie. Okay. Yeah. okay, are you ready? Ready? Go. Okay, I got the 80s, A Nightmare on Elm Street, which mm-hmm. is Freddy. Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. Freddy. And Freddy, he waits until the kids, they go to sleep. And then he haunts their dreams. I cannot remember exactly why his face is so fucked up and holy. Perhaps that he, I mean, it was obviously burnt with something or another. He has a very stylish striped long sleeve <laughs> shirt on. And he, and he uh, unforgivable fedora that he wears. I don't know if it's a fedora, but it kind of looks like one. Um, but he's very creepy. He's got very creepy hands and shit. And he does a lot of weird, almost like pedophilic shit. I, I almost feel like now that I watch it back um to little kids in their dreams but he can only come in their dreams so a lot of kids don't want to sleep so a lot of them are always trying to like stay up with all sorts of different things but then of course they end up falling asleep and then you know his gross weird voice comes along maybe he had like cystic acne or something and then he got burned but um I love that you ended it on cystic acne. You know, <laughs> you know. Sometimes you have to end it on cystic acne. Fuck! I wish I would have got Friday the Thirteenth. Well, or, no, who knows? Fuck! I did. did. I wish you, I would. Damn you, it! You thought that Friday I the Thirteenth was Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> thought it was no, because the only thing I think of whenever Jason Voorhees comes into conversation is Freddy versus, Freddy versus Jason. Jason. Yeah, um, which is iconic. It's so good. It's I so love good. that they did that little rivalry. Twenty uh, tens Get Out, which is a oh. Masterpiece written a by masterpiece. Jordan Peele. <sighs> um, it is a really good story. It's a horror film that uh, is about the sort of like commodification of black bodies by like white society, but done in the case where like this black man is dating this white woman, uh, Allison Williams from Girls, and they go and visit her family in the country. And the f- mom is like a psychologist, and she has this like little like teacup, and she does this thing where she hypnotizes people. What the family does is they like hypnotize people and then surgically like implant white minds into black bodies and they basically like auction off these people to like these rich exclusive folks um and so the main character's figuring this out because like there's a garden gardener who's actually the their grandfather in this black guy's body and then there's the this maid who's the grandmother in this black woman's body and like at various points like there's just these plots that are like get out you got to get out of here but it's also like a play on the idea of like you know what people would say watching a movie specifically like black Stop. audiences wow that was so that beautifully was, said yeah it's a good movie dude i know but movie. yeah but of course we knew it was a good movie but you just <laughs> said it like so much better than we would have said it yeah you know? absolutely yeah oh the 80s poltergeist mm-hmm. okay so fun fact about this movie is everybody on the set actually did get haunted and um did you guys not know that okay so the little girl i believe almost drowned in the pool like actually during the filming i will have to fact check that but this is based around a family that moves into a home which is actually haunted by a poltergeist or like a demon entity and the little girl is the one who really gets haunted by the poltergeist because you know they go after children and throughout the entirety of the movie it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger because that's what demons do whenever they (laughs) haunt people Um, and this little girl gets possessed to the point where like she crawls into the TV basically and she gets lost in this like 
kind of multiverse kind of situation, but not actually multiverse. She's just like summoned by this demon and it's just like a beautifully chaotic and crazy experience with this whole. Stop. Sorry, I forgot again. <laughs> I'm not good with these. I get I get wrapped up. I get wrapped the fuck up. Okay. Go. Oh, okay. The 90s, The Sixth Sense. Okay, this oh. is Bruce Willis, which, spoiler alert, is really dead the entire fucking time. Okay? And it's um something Joel Osment, some, something. I, I don't know. This kid is not in a lot of stuff, although he is in The Boys, which we just talked about. He was gone for a long time is what I mean. But True. He, but... Also, Misha Barton is underneath the bed and she like <laughs> throws up all over the fucking place, which is hilarious that that's one of her first roles. She looks fucking awful. And, oh, no. and the little kid is so cute at this point. He's so cute and he's very scared of everything. He's a very good actor at this point. I was shocked. Whoever this Joel Osment, I can't remember his first fucking name. But anyways, Bruce Willis is there and I actually don't really get why it's that scary um, but he does see dead people um, <laughs> obviously I mean I guess that would be scary for a little kid but really I think it would be kind of cool but anyways uh, I had to say I see dead people because that's the Stop. main line <laughs> <laughs> Haley, Haley Joel, Joel Osment, Osment. Haley, ah, Haley? How, how would Haley. you know that Haley was this boy's name <laughs> I knew that because it's my Haley is my sister's name oh. and that just you know also what's I've weird? never heard of guy named Haley. Yeah, I, I just, honestly I, I honestly think I was about to say Haley Joel Osment and then I thought it might be the girl from Hannah Montana who's his sister. Emily no, Joel it Osment. Is, it is. Emily Osment. Osment. But Osment. it is but it is oh yeah, not that is three. Sister. Yeah, I know, yeah. but I, I was thinking that Haley was that girl is what I'm saying. <gasps> oh, like I, I was mean, getting confused. Yeah, I think that yeah, that's yeah. fair. That. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Let's you see. do you do it up. 2010's Hereditary. Uh, oh, so great, one of my favorites. Great. It's another Ari Aster movie. We talked about Midsummer earlier, but Hereditary stars Tony Collette brilliantly, um, and Gabriel Byrne and Margot Martindale. Uh, but like, yeah. So she her she has a horrible relationship with her mother, and her mother dies at the very top. This is Tony Collette, and she's a son and a daughter, and the daughter's very weird, and she has this nut allergy. <laughs> um, but it turns out that the mom was part of this like cult that worshiped this god and was trying to influence tony collette's pregnancy so that uh, this god would be reincarnated as her child um it didn't really work out and eventually like this cult plots and plots and plots until like the daughter dies from this very weird like nut allergy car accident <laughs> reaction that's basically the fault of the older brother and then the cult slowly like plots to get the spirit of the little girl into the older brother and then Tony Collette is like what is going on with my Stop. family <laughs> yeah. I mean oh, it's fair, fuck. It's fair. Yes. <laughs> okay 90s the ring oh. oh I'm so glad I got this okay is her name Samara uh, the little fucking girl <laughs> that's, that's the grudge this is the one where they watch the videotape or whatever the fuck and then the little girl comes out of the well and she can like climb out of the fucking thing <laughs> yes. and you know the water pools that's towards the end but anyways um, if they watch the thing then they get a phone call and they basically say that they're gonna die in like seven days or some shit mm -hmm. and um uh, then they do. They die in seven days. And then like the little kid accidentally watches it. Some mom or whatever. She's like trying to figure it out within the seven days. And then like her, her guy friend. I don't know if it's like she was with this dude or no, it's this. It's the son's dad. So 
both of the parents actually watch it or whatever and then the kid watches it and whatever and then they like i don't know she flies down the well at one point and then like uh she goes to like save this little bitch because apparently like i can't remember if it was the mom that pushed her down the well down there to die because she was a little freak (laughs) she was a little freak she was a little freak Wasn't she though? I, she yeah, she was. She had psychic yeah. powers. She was. Yeah. A, she was. Yeah. Do you want to go one more time I, for punsies? Sure, I'll go one more time. Okay, what were you yes. gonna say though? I Hannah? was gonna say it like at the time that was so like weird for somebody to have like psychic powers and they were kind of looked at as a witch. So oh yeah, she was in that one room and then yeah, right. No. Well, no, she was stuck in a barn like right. up on a like, yeah, yeah. loft area. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they took her to that fucking like mental place. Yeah, remember? so it's a, it's a yeah. remake of a Japanese movie called I know. Ringu, yeah. which is a version of a novel. By the same name, There's that actually so many has novels. three books. It's like Damn. Ringu, Spiral, and Loop. And I read the first two. I don't think I ever finished it, but yeah. 2010's Halloween. So this is oh. a remake of the iconic John Carpenter's Halloween from like the late 60s, early 70s. This one would have been directed by Rob Zombie. Um, it would have been starring Danielle Harris. Well, she wasn't starring, but she had a good role in it. Danielle Harris, who played the little girl in Scream, like four and five. Um, it's very intense, like... Uh, Rob Zombie like applied his aesthetic. They changed up the look. They gave him uh, Michael Myers, the killer, more of a backstory. Um, it definitely was a little bit more weird and psychological, and a lot more gruesome, gory, and like booby. Like there are a lot more <laughs> <laughs> Rob Zombie <laughs> boobs no in it and stuff. <laughs> um, I love Halloween. It's also one of my favorite franchises, and I've seen all of the movies in this series, including the new ones, except for the two Rob Zombie Halloweens. So I know a lot about it, but just knowing Rob Zombie's aesthetic and my love for like the OG franchise, I just didn't watch it. Um, but I again know plenty and respectfully declare to engage wow oh that was so <laughs> that was beautiful. a great description <laughs> <laughs> without even actually like watching to engage that <laughs> I mean, was incredible the plot is like the plot of the right, original right the right remake, right so. it's just a little bit too like straight for me misogynistic you know I mean? like, it's like misogynistic is what i think it is gratuitous it is. like from like the the women's bodies on display and being like brutalized in a way that the horror genre is very often criticized for and i think rightfully so but generally speaking the horror genre does it in a way that it is a little bit smarter whether it means to be or not and i feel like the rob zombie is embracing the like more just aesthetic values of it that does feel exploitative so right i just don't really like i'm like great it exists i feel like you might be a professor of horror i you know what i mean i feel like you might need to did that what i taught a course on buffy the vampire slayer when i was in grad school yeah what i've literally been a professor a course (laughs) it was an undergrad course i was a grad student yeah but i got to write the curriculum and everything it was called buffy and literary traditions or buffy lit i wish i could have taken this i I know same i love buffy oh my god sarah michelle geller wow we should have done vampire slayer is just we should have done that for so um, good. I'm a blank. Yeah, Damn. Shit. Next up, we have episode six with Sarah Montez. Kay Nah. And we talked about In the Red, which is one of Kay's scripts. Sarah Montez is an actor, writer, and just all around artist. She's absolutely incredible. I met Sarah while working at Equinox many, many moons ago. 
another incredibly talented powerhouse who absolutely kills it with absolutely everything she does. Since her episode, Sarah has been standing in solidarity with SAG-AFTRA and the WGA on the picket lines while pushing out more of her poetry on her Instagram story. So if you follow her, you should be seeing a lot of that. And she creates beautiful art pieces, and I believe they are available for purchase. So make sure you check that out. Well, now it's time for everyone's favorite table read section which is a play off both of our names called K. Nah. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At first I was like, okay. okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It's all in I'm how you say it. it. It's all in how you say it. It always is. So I'm a writer, so I'm constantly what? trying to understand how the words I put on the page are being translated by Fact. an actor such as Hannah or Sarah. Holla, holla. And a lot of times when an actor is reading sides, I am shocked at how they interpret the backstory of some of the characters. (laughs) And since we have an actor today, we'd love to know your process, Sarah. How do you get into character for something that may be more of a cold read or even an audition if you only have one scene? (laughs) Big question. (laughs) Um, Big question for small bites. Um, So if it's a cold read, it's a cold read. You don't really have much time to prepare. You don't get to look at the page. You don't have right. anything. Maybe you will get a character background, which is, thank God, when they write those little bios. But that's also just the uh, casting writing that bio most times. Not the writer, not the director, not the producer. Um, but I'm very grateful that casting takes the time to do that and write the details that they do. So that's helpful for a cold read. Um, other than that, the main thing to do for a cold read is to stay present with the words. And the rest will find its way. You really can't prepare for a cold read, honestly. Yeah. Just live your life. That's one of the hardest ones. Yeah. There's no preparation going into that. You just walk in and you're like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. mm -mm, Now (laughs) happening. But when it comes to a single scene, the diaries (laughs) I have written, the pages, the pages upon pages, I'll I'll make a playlist for a character. Uh, what music I think they're listening to and then what music they listen to and then also what music I think would score the scene because um, that's two different things, mm-hmm. you know, because your character is your one person living in the head and then the third character being the camera will interpret it in the, for the audience a different way. So that's one way music is a really grounding force for me. Um, I also dance a lot when I'm preparing for a character. So I'll dance to the playlist I've created to find usually the one that they have in their head. Um, not the scene itself. Um, so that way I can find the movement a little bit of the character. I think that's important. Um, 97% of all communication is nonverbal. So I'm really big on what's not being said and how it, how things are being said. The way you say something is so important. Um, but I don't harp on going, okay, this is this word. So I'm going to say it this way and it's going to have this impact and I'm going to cry on this moment. Like that's bullshit. Uh, at least for me, because the most powerful thing you could do is be present. So all the work of the diary beforehand, the dancing, the music, the life, the what happened right before this scene, I will write a scene of what happened before the scene that I'm now reading so that I can just imagine the space that my character might be in, the headspace that they're coming into, this, na- this next moment that I'm now supposed to perform. Um, so a lot of work goes into it, and I love that. Does that answer? I love. Yes. I love that you write a scene 
beforehand yeah. because this I've been working with this on my act or I've been working on this with my acting coach recently uh-huh. where we will have a separate conversation beforehand that leads into oh, I do that too I love script. that it's so nice I and yeah like, I don't always have the luxury to do that dialogue beforehand but if I do wow. if you ever want to give me a call Holla, I got you I, I got will. you Look at this. I know. Inspiring each other in their process. Beautiful. Beautiful. I do have a side question that I want to ask. Have you ever made like a mood board on Pinterest for a character? I don't use Pinterest, but what she does do is cut up magazines and make mood boards in person in real life in the flesh so i'm that person i need to touch things i'm very tactical i need to see it and i will do that and also draw patch uh draw pictures and uh, sketches or uh write poems for the the character in that character's voice um so that's also a big one too just depending on who it is what it is how much time i have if i don't have any time like there are times you will get a t- I've gotten like a 10 page scene to do in three hours hmm, and it's some of my best work. And I love that because it just really goes back to my point of being present and the words will say everything they need to say. You don't have to push it. You just have to be present. And I feel like that also kind of, if you get, that much information within such a short amount of time that gives you like a nice little adrenaline rush of like oh yeah oh okay i, I am fired it. up now i hate it and i love it yeah it's like I'm my like, stress oh, is like fuck. oh yes i'm in this let's go <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay we get it so <laughs> Kay's like oh right she's then. like oh so that's that's how that works she All goes, right. this okay. is why i'm a writer <laughs> <laughs> y'all be crazy so since today We'll be reading a scene Kay wrote for a scene workshop, which was taken from one of her original pilots and tweaked a bit. Cool. And we're going to switch it up today and have Hannah read the action, and I will play (gasps) Ginger. What? I will play Ginger. I usually read the action. I mean, I um, I could tell, and so I'm just, I'm honored. Sarah will be Cecilia. Hola. And after yeah. the scene, we will discuss how Sarah interpreted it versus oh what I pictured it in my head. And Hannah, you can I, also input how you see this maybe. Do I get to ask no. any questions? This is just a cold no. read. We're just cold. Just, yep, we're just no cold questions. Cold as the night. 4 a.m. Yeah. yeah. All right. 4 a.m. Yeah. 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Darkest before the dawn. Yeah. Here we go. So let's go. Let's jump into it. Mom scared. Interior. Inocencio's apartment, kitchen, day. Ginger, red, 18, Chicana, in a constant state of flight, fight or flight, adds a ton of whipped cream to a tres leches cake. Mm. Her mom, Cecilia Inocencio, 42, a mess who chaos follows everywhere, snatches the topping. Ay, no mas. I can hear your abuela now. No wonder you can't keep a man. Esa es muy gorda. Don't project the eating disorders of our ancestors on me. Red dips her finger in the cream and sticks it in her mouth. Cecilia clocks Red's nice dress and painted face. Why are you dressed? For the dunking of the child in the holy water? You do be needing Jesus, but you're not going. I'm not missing that after church spread. The tostadas. So, all the aunties got gossip about what a horrible mom I am. Raising a criminal? No way! Criminal or scholar, you're always keeping me from them. (laughs) Cecilia crouches down next to Red's feet, shimmies around her big black ankle tether, then looks up disapprovingly. 
You did this on your own, Mija. I had to learn my defiance from somewhere. I did not teach you to sell prescription drugs and to, to rich gringos. They didn't need the money, but we did. You taught me to hustle, same thing. I certainly didn't teach you to organize street races. No, I was just driving myself around in middle school since no one was here to bring me anywhere. Fifteen years old, I was living on the streets. Because you got knocked up, I know. Because I got an abortion. I was a sin in their, those gra- grandparents' eyes that you love so much. Religion is the worst. My friend's mom had the sign for me. If she didn't, then I wouldn't be here ten years later. Mm-hmm. Tell your abuela that. She'll clutch her rosary so hard her hands will bleed. They've always been nice to me. You're the first in Asensio to go to college. You're a trophy to them. Everyone goes to college nowadays. My parents have worked a second grade education and worked in the fields their whole lives. It's a big deal. If they're not embarrassed of me, why are you? That box on your ankle, it means I'm a failure. I could wear pants. Those people are evil. I'm protecting you. Yet, you keep whoring yourself out for their approval. You better watch that trash-ass mouth. Go pack my bags in the car. Now! Red glares at her mom, then jams a finger down into the cake. Cecilia stomps towards Red, who darts off with the cake. You better run while you can, girl! Tomorrow you start the community service! I'll have to atone for my sins there, since someone is keeping me from Jesus! Cecilia grabs the whip topping, takes a handful of cream, and shoves it in her mouth. And scene. My God. <laughs> so I'd be interested to know uh, what, what you know, how well, you interpreted Cecilia's character or even Ginger's, whatever you. Look, I have feelings about this scene um, in so many ways. Um, my mother and I, even though I just praised her in the beginning, did not start out as magical as I just recited. Um Growing up, she was very big on my weight. And if I wanted to watch anything, I had to do a certain amount of sit-ups, certain amount of push-ups, run around the block a couple times in order to watch a half hour of TV. Run around the block twice, got to do 20 push-ups and 50 sit-ups for a half an hour of TV. And I would do that. And it became like a little worried about eating food and things growing up. So initially, just hearing the scene goes that way in my head. What I was trying to honor for you is the comedy aspect to it, which there is comedy here. But I think it needs more breath than either of us gave it. And also the speed. It's kind of like a <laughs> it's like two different notes that I'm giving It's like we weren't fast enough in certain areas to keep the rhythm with each other, which is totally natural in a, in a cold read. Um, cold reads are really hard. But um, I would say the breath, meaning the the pain wasn't really quite there for my character or for yours, um, but the writing has it. Um, so I would love to read it again if I was had my way. Yeah, but what did you feel like if you were to make up, like if you were to get this, sure, and you were to make up like a backstory for, for the mama? Yeah, what would what, immediately what would be- I, you go to what you know, um, and you can always find a way to relate instead of to hate, and so. The relation here being my mother. So I went into my mother's head. The fear of not being enough. Um, you know, she is mixed. She's Latina and white. And 
growing up, she never really fit in. And there was always a challenge of like how to do things the right or wrong way. And so Cecilia here has a right or wrong way in her head. And honestly, life is not black and white that way. It's not that simple. I wish it was. And religion has always been a grounding force for a lot of um, the Latinx community um, in so many ways, which is really beautiful, but also brings up a lot of pain. And so for Cecilia, she uses it to guard herself. It's a, it's an area of pain. It's an area of right and wrong. It's an area to um, assert her power without asserting her power, because I don't think she's able to do it with her own voice yet. And so she's using the voice of God, using the voice of her parents, using that to like go back to. So that's something immediately for that character that I would I would draw from is not feeling like her own voice matters. And so that she had to fit a uniform to exist, which is why she's making Red try to fit a uniform too. the idea that she's a failure because of the box on her ankles. I'm assuming it's a tattoo. It's no, it's like a tether. It's a what? Like, like an a ankle like tether, an ankle like tether, a, like when you get arrested like you're on house too arrest. much time. Ah, yeah, oh my god! Yeah. Wait, how did I not? Is that in here? That's why they were talking about like all the things that she did wrong, like selling drugs or I like caught street on racing to that. and stuff. But it 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 didn't read initially um, right. that that was what was on her ankle. Yeah, yeah. But that's a big deal. <laughs> that's what's on her ankle. That's a horse of a different color. Let me just tell you. I know. I had one. That's where oh, the scene shit, came from. Son. Yeah. We got stories. Um, <laughs> so for Cecilia, ask my question. What do you ask me? What do you want to say? <laughs> no, you already answered oh, it so great. beautifully. Yeah, yeah. I was like, where am I going? Yeah. No. You're welcome. But what, uh, what were you thinking, Han? For I mean, either, even for Ginger. I think even like reading through it with Ginger, I feel like she was, I mean, that was her way of rebelling, but I feel like also trying to get the attention of her mother. Like I'm going to, I know me sticking my hand in this cake and trying to do something eating or go somewhere, eating the cake in general. Period. Yeah. It's is an act of defiance. Exactly. And it's doing that to kind of, get a rise out of her but also grasp the attention because I don't think the attention is there no like the attention that she wants is there Cecilia doesn't know how to give it exactly she doesn't know she wasn't taught that way she never had empathy no you can see that immediately even so how can she know how to give it if she hadn't had it herself well and even with like whenever she had talked about the abortion and her friend's parents signing for her yeah she didn't even have that with her own mother so I think it's no trying to be the mother that she could never be but not knowing how so she's acting out she's trying like her mother would because that's all she knows right she she is trying she is but it just she's not listening no and And you can see it within deal right you can see it within the lines the pain that she's feeling of like i want to be there to help my daughter and yeah and the not list- be a force for her, but it, yeah. I don't know how. Right. And that's part of the character work like of the not listening. Because yeah, when you're having a conversation with somebody, there's either you're here or you're just responding. Most people are just looking to respond. They're looking to talk right away. I mean, I know when I got this microphone on my face, I'm like, how can I talk? This is fun. <laughs> but in real life, that shows up in a lot of ways, too. Um, and so Cecilia is just on her mission already. And she's just noticing that you are not a part of it. And she's just going, come on, we got a story to tell. I'm got a story to tell. You're not listening to my story, my story, my story, my story. It's not even her story, but still. 
that's a big, big part of the preparation that I would bring to it too, is, is the not listening rhythm of like what that looks like in Cecilia's mind. Yeah. And we're even to each other. Same with Red's mind. Yeah. Cause she's rebelling. Yeah. Well, I was asked about Cecilia, so that's why. I said yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love this because you're going to hear a lot of those things in what I am about to say. I'm, ooh. So ooh. It always makes me so happy when I hear things that I was thinking of yeah. when people respond, that's not great. knowing. So, of uh, course, I love that too. This was a scene that I added to a script of mine when I received notes from a mentor that the mother daughter dynamic wasn't necessarily shining like through as strongly as it should. Um, and so Ginger is a character that essentially raised herself um, in her mess of a mother. But instead of just showing her mom as a mess, I really wanted to show more of the why, like mm. why she was a mess. Um, so most of the characters I write are antiheroes, but it's usually deep rooted in like some sort of mental illness or PTSD, or in mm -hmm. this case, generational trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, so Cecilia wanted to be a good mother, but she herself was abandoned by her own family Which at a young so age. Like my mom. And so it's hard to do something if you weren't taught, which while simultaneously like fighting demons of it's so like hard. your past. Yeah. Um, so also girl. Growing up in with my Mexican American family, I saw how important Catholicism was, yeah. and I actually wrote this scene in right around the time that Roe v. Wade was being overturned, and lots of people were sharing their abortion stories yeah. on social media. Um, and I knew that it was a story that my mom had as a teenager, and I most likely wouldn't have been born ten years later if she, you know, had actually had that kid is your mom open about that um yeah she is she told me she had an abortion when i was like six years old like she wow. she's uh, she's also very context? mentally ill so she used me like a therapist kind of uh Lick, so i don't know your mom i'll just speak from cecilia in relation to my mom She's doing the best that she can, and she did not have the right tools, and she's yeah. trying, and she's also speaking to you in a way that brings you up to being a peer, which is not exactly what we need as a daughter-mother-daughter -daughter dynamic, but to her, that's her trying to bridge a gap. Right. Trying. Right. Not doing it well, but trying. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, but I also know that my extended family mm -hmm. or my mom didn't have the resources to raise a child back then. And I wonder what kind of life it would have had if she would have had a kid at what 16. What if it was going to be you anyway? Oh. I mean, it would have been me with a different dad, I suppose. But yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. It would have been. But I'm just curious. Yeah. I don't know. Just would have been. Yeah. Thought story tangent but, on later. Yeah. But I saw my cousins grow up with a 16-year-old mom. Um, mm -hmm. They were born, like, within six months of me, and my mom had a younger sister. Um, they were raised by my grandparents, and unfortunately, once since then, one has passed away, and another one is in jail. Um, so the sorry. one that passed away is due to drugs. So I wanted to show the importance of, like, choice and mm -hmm. how fucked up it is that, like, families can turn on one another for such a choice that should right. be this one person's. Um, which is also a right, America. Um, and <laughs> Are you listening? Yes. Uh, and how that, uh, that can like affect generations down the line, whether they realize it or not. <laughs> that is a big one in my family. So I, I can relate and I understand. Yeah. 
But I wanted to be able to do that within three pages of dialogue. Next, we have episode 21 with Helen Fernandez. We did How Did We Get Here? And we talked about Intergalactic, uh, which Helen worked on. So Helen is a writer, producer, and showrunner's assistant. Of course, not currently because of the WGA strike. But I know her through this group called Prelista, which is pre-WGA Latina LA TV writers. It's a mouthful. And what I really love about her segment was that since then, she's jumped full into the art world. And if you follow her on Instagram, you'll see she even manages some artists now as kind of a gag. So she's not a real manager, but it's just funny to watch uh, how this has progressed. Also, since her episode aired, she has released her Three Gems podcast that she spoke about. And Hannah and I were actually on a recent episode, which we shall link as well. Okay, well, we are back with one of my favorite segments because obviously everyone knows I love to spin a good tale. And it is called How, How Did, Did We, we Get, Get Here? We're going to be taking a scenario, occupation, enticing incident, etc., from a TV show or film and imagine what it would be like if we were the characters. So Intergalactic is Kid Cudi's love child of a movie uh, where the main character Jabari navigates newfound success as a street artist and love and life in New York City. Helen, since you worked on this excellent and might I say actually perfect stoner film, um, which I can appreciate for being one because I have been hitting my weed pen the entirety of this time. Um, tell us about what kind of art you would create and get famous for. How would that come about? Like what would your be? like big break in um this instance be yeah yeah tripping over my words it's because of the weed i know <laughs> this was an easy one to answer because i've been getting into painting oh my god i can't speak into my mic i'm like oh, painting mm. oh. painting is so fun for me my grandma was a painter Ooh. oh yes i did know that oh my gosh yeah so i think it just that would be it. I would be I would be known for more abstract, large canvas pieces. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what kind of, you know, art it would focus on. Like, I don't know if it would be about, you know, people, portraits. I could see myself doing portraits, actually. Like portraits of people. Like having them come I over really and you stare at them. I really want to learn how to do that. It's just so hard. It's the shadowing and stuff that always gets me. I just I just love painting. And then hopefully I could just live in New York, live my best New Yorker artist life like they do in Intergalactic. Yeah. How do you think that someone would find your said paintings? Would it be that you took like a very famous person and drew or painted them and that was the hit or what? You know, maybe someone was like recording a TikTok and I was in the background with painting and then someone saw it and was like, holy shit, that's going to sell for millions. And then it is. And then it did. Wow, Ooh. because it blew up on social media. It, but it, it's not so cringe that I'm like putting myself on the TikTok. Like I'm mm -hmm. not going to that extent. It's just I was in the background of someone else's TikTok. And then that's how I, I went viral. Because then it could have a whole story too about how like we got to find this artist. Who is she? Dude, that's you know, that's It's like Banksy, but not. So where would you be, what would you be painting on? Just like outside in a park or? Yeah. Like, like on a canvas a outside in the park? Yeah, maybe. Central Park? I could see myself painting with the help of my dog. Like a cute little dog <gasps> and like get its paws on the canvas and then maybe like make it just abstract. And then maybe if people wanted their dog's paws on a painting, I could, com they could commission a painting. 
you could be the dog painter but it's cool it's not like it's not like cringe it's cute you could team up with the dogist it's he goes around New York and takes portraits of people's uh, dogs. Yes, I have yeah. seen him. Yeah. yeah, collaboration. Exactly. Hit me up, doggist. Wow, I love that, <laughs> Hannah. You need some get Helen to do some of your dogs. I know they'll walk. They'll walk on your canvas for you. They'll walk yeah. all over the place. All over Hell the yeah. place. I saw them jumping around. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Big. They'll artists. jump from. They'll jump from off here onto the canvas. Hopefully, they don't break it. But you know, mm, we should probably put wood underneath it. Maybe. Yeah. Did I just have a brilliant idea that I should actually pursue? That's what happens so. a lot on this pod. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Gets your mind going but different ways. I just need a backup plan. And next up, we have episode nine with guest Eric Medina. And we play Let's Match Her Up about famous theme songs. Eric is a music supervisor. And I met Eric years ago again through my roommate and a few of our other mutual friends. And he quickly became a part of our insane West Coast family. Since his episode, he has been the music supervisor on lots of really amazing projects that you may have seen, like Meet Me in Paris, The Horror of Dolores Roach, Project Greenlight, and was just the music coordinator for the newest season of And Just Like That. So I'm sure you've heard some of his work recently, and I think you need to keep an eye out for him because he's incredibly talented. All right. Well, it's game time. For you, that is. Eric, we are not going to play this game. Let's match her up. <laughs> a segment where in this case today, we'll name an iconic song and artist and you must match it to the film or TV show that it's most known from. Okay. okay. Song and artist or a song or artist? No, we're going to name the song and then we're going to name the artist and then you must say which TV show or film that it's like iconically known for. Okay. Okay. You okay. guys want to hear a fun fact? Yeah. Yes. Um, when I was just in Cabo for Christmas, um, they were doing a music trivia, right? And they play one the first second of a song, and if you can guess it, you you know get like a hundred points, whatever. First place, beat like thirty people, just killing it. Got a oh, bottle yeah. of champagne, some jewelry, and then the next day they did the same thing, but specifically like music uh, for Christmas. Oh. So then, of course, Eric comes in. Oh. Everyone's like, everyone sees me get into the pool because they did the all that in the pool. Yeah, everyone starts getting out of the pool. They're like, "Oh no, Funky Cold's back! Like he's gonna win again." And I came in third the second time for Christmas trivia. But then they pulled me aside afterwards. They're like, "You're cheating somehow. Like you just what? know." But like they were like being funny about it, right? They're like, "There's no way we played one second of this song, and you were like Rugrats theme song. Like the first second of a oh, Rugrats theme song, it's a drum roll. It's just a drum roll yeah. before the song comes in. But another one was like Animaniacs. They played a different version of White Christmas. It was just like the piano chord, and I was just like, "Oh, I know that piano. I know that first note. It's White Christmas." <gasps> so. And then they're like, there's so many children playing, so we want to give someone else like the first place this time. So we're just going to give you third because you won yesterday. I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So bring it on, basically, is what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> my God. Wait, well, that's <laughs> epic. Let's let's get to the game. Okay. Okay, so uh, the first one. I hope I didn't jinx myself, by the way. Yes, I hope my you ego. didn't either. <laughs> um, the first one is What You Say by Emojin Heap. Um... Oh, no. They're getting shot and falling. Um, it's One Tree Hill. Uh, it's one of, one of those types. Uh, not One Tree Hill. Uh, I don't know. It's just one of those shows that I never watched. But I know the exact scene and exact moment. Um, they're getting shot, falling. Someone that comes and murders someone. What's it called? 
I'm Why wearing something that has the to do first, with it on my the shirt. The first one. I don't know. <laughs> I knew it was one of those shows that like I've never watched but I knew that moment big moment okay. um, Ooh, oh you got God. me scared Sorry, there guys. for Sorry, a minute you as got soon me. as you said it's someone that got shot and is falling <laughs> I looked at Kay like <gasps> he uh, knows yeah and then who did that segment was it um Saturday Night Live when, yeah when Andy making, Samberg yeah, and yeah, Bill yeah, Hader yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah got it yeah and, they were and everyone kept it. getting shot like every yeah. five seconds and that song kept playing on loop oh my god so funny that was a good segment what just what just what like falling and dying love it <laughs> this next one okay MIA by Paper Planes um Pineapple Express good job yes. yeah that was <laughs> a quick one yeah and just a, it's it's called Paper Planes but it's by MIA just yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that in the wrong order um okay <laughs> the next one is don't you forget about me simple minds breakfast club there we go ah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, here it goes coolio uh one of my favorite nickelodeon shows uh keenan and co yes yeah rest in peace coolio but yeah i, that was, that, I that love that song down that was one of the dopest theme songs for a show ever oh yeah right he like went in and like the studio probably went on fire like they're like oh just do like a normal you know theme song it's about you know two best friends and he's like oh here you go and he just like went in i'm like yo coolio calm down man but i loved it hard yeah he went hard i know coolio (laughs) uh famously tried to fuck me one time and yeah at this like at the ap music awards at the rock and roll hall of fame in ohio this was many years ago and my favorite thing he ever said which i will never forget to me by the way he wear he actually wears those like caps that he like Mm -hmm. puts holes in so that his little fucking like braids that are in pigtails come Mm -hmm. out of the caps oh so yeah so he came up to me and he said hey i'm good at three things the first thing (laughs) is rapping the second thing cooking and the third thing fucking (laughs) (laughs) and i said that's cool didn't you just tell me you have daughters that are older than me Ooh, yeah oh here it goes (laughs) 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 yes wow no here it goes is right (laughs) okay uh the next one is come clean by hillary duff Ooh. um I don't think I'm gonna know this one, but Let's give me a go second. Back, back to the beginning. I don't know back this one. Back to where the earth, the sun, the stars. But I do want to say line. that song came out in 2005, if I'm correct. What the? Fuck? Oh my God! <laughs> Jesus! Is okay. that right? You are you know just, what? Are you, I'm well, pretty we don't sure know. you're right. It's 2004, 2005. Um, come I, on, it, I it, just, it's a th- it's a theme song for the beginning of a very famous show. I'm gonna give you a I've hint. Never, but I, I didn't have the Disney Channel growing up. Okay, well, it's, it not Disney Disney. it's not oh, Disney. It's not. Okay. No. Was it MTV? Yeah, you're. N- we're not going to give this to you, even if you you get it. But I'm just giving you hints, anyways. Um, okay. <laughs> it's a reality show mm-hmm. on MTV back in the day. One of the first. One of the first reality shows. Um, a spinoff of another show. Whoa. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get this one. Um, Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach. <laughs> yes. Guys. Okay, it is. Th- it is 2005 then. <laughs> I, I i was um i was just working on a on a film right now i'm just doing music clearances for it but w- 
it takes place in 2004, 2005. It takes <gasps> place in 2005, so we could only use music from 2004, 2005. Um, so that was one of the songs that was kind of in the mix at one moment. Um, so that's kind of how I knew that. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't know that. Oh my that God. Oh, you don't have then, to say sorry. And then you said Laguna Beach, and there's a scene where they're watching Laguna Beach. Um, and it was an end credit. They're like watching an end credit from Laguna Beach, and like that song was like, I think playing so like, how the, the fuck did you not know i, I, I just Jesus. didn't remember i just didn't remember it was like even with us singing yeah yes, we were guess we weren't gonna know what to sing anymore i don't know okay <laughs> i have nothing by whitney houston if you don't know this i'm gonna kill you <laughs> the whole podcast is gonna be done oh I'm gonna no murder you i feel like they sing that song also in the fresh prince of bel-air but that's not what it's known for no definitely um, not it was a good guess though I think it's in there. Um, I want to say Ashley sings it in one scene. Um, that episode when she's like trying to become a singer. Um, oh, I, I think, think you're I, right. I could, I could be completely wrong though. Um, but this is a film. I, okay, it's a film and a very famous film. I don't know this one. It's. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep going. A very famous film, which Whitney Houston is in. This is on the soundtrack. This is how the song even became a song. I didn't see this movie. She like wrote it for this I, I'm fucking sorry. song. I, oh, oh yeah. Actually, it was um, it was on a list of like best songs ever created for any kind of movie. Right. I it being like yes. number one or two on that yes. list. Um, but I, I remember I just didn't see this movie. I'm sorry. Oh, the, bodyguard. the Bodyguard. Yeah, I didn't see that movie. Oh I'm my so god. Sorry. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. We had a good start. I let out. I let down my fans. I feel like you're gonna know this next one though. Can't fight the feeling. Justin Timberlake. Is it animated? It is. Um, um, it's not the Lego movie. No, not the Lego movie. It's not um, Trolls? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, yes. okay. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I love this game. This is great. Cool. I know, yeah. right? This is dope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Jesus Christ. No, I know it's like the, one of the easiest ones. Hold on. <laughs> Why am I doing a blank? I don't know. I, don't I know. really don't know. Not Titanic. Yes. Oh, Titanic. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. For some reason, I thought it was like a different Celine Dion song. And I was like, you know when you're so confident in an answer, but you're like, if I say this one wrong, it's going to be like the right. worst thing ever. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Great. Yeah. Great theme song. Or yes. great song for that movie. Ooh. Oh, oh, uh oh! I don't want to be by Gavin DeGraw. I don't want to be. The the cadence of that. So good. The cadence is so good, and especially because if there's a song that everyone can sing, because like Gavin DeGraw, I'm not saying he's not a great singer, but he's like kind of an average guy. You know what I mean? Like the vocals aren't crazy, so like you can sing it and not sound like an idiot. If you can't sing, you, you know can what I'm that saying. Blacked out drunk, and you sound just like just like him. Right. But the beginning, the I'm like, oh my god, I get so, so hyped when that comes on. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna guess it's a late '90s, early 2000s rom com. It's a TV show. Oh, it's a TV show. Um, oof. Is it another MTV type show? No, not mm-hmm. MTV. Ah. Uh. I will say you did say this one earlier. One Tree Hill. 
Yeah, uh, uh, you gave you gave you gave that to him. So, so is it from a, like a famous scene in that? Like, no, no it's the theme, theme song. song. Really? That's yeah. how it became big. Oh. It's on the list of songs where it wasn't even that popular before, and they used it, and then he blew up from I that. I just remember it playing in like every Walgreens, like growing up. It was just like Walgreens <laughs> specifically, no, specifically true. Walgreens. It was like one of those like safe songs that was like. How many times um, were you in a Walgreens? I worked at a store called Harmon's Discount, which I didn't want to say, but like. A lot of people don't know that store. It's like owned by Bed Bath and Beyond, but it's basically a Walgreens. And I just remember that song playing every single day. Hold on by Wilson Phillips. I don't know. I can confidently say it's a film. And it's sang by the people in the film in an iconic scene. A bonding moment for these characters. I don't know. It's a comedy. It's a very famous comedy with a lot of huge SNL stars in it. Oof. There's a lot of famous comedies with a lot of SNL stars. <laughs> one, d- one factor of it is that these huge SNL stars were women. Okay. Um, I That's why they're movie. singing Hold On. Yes, you have. If you, you haven't seen this, seen this movie, movie, we're watching it after this. I don't know. Uh-huh. It's not. Okay. I don't know. You're disappointing oh! me right now. I'm, draw- I'm, drawing, I'm drawing a blank right now. You could tell me because I'm not going to know. Bridesmaids. I didn't see Bridesmaids. What? I'm so sorry. I didn't see Bridesmaids. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Okay. I, get, I get that reaction from every woman that I tell that. What too. are you, sexist? <laughs> no. Jesus. Women I can't be funny, comedy. huh? I think okay. my mom was trying to get me to watch that, too, because like, she was just Interesting. visiting. So I was like, Mom, I haven't seen it, but I don't know. This woman How who gave you so <laughs> much. This woman who, who, wants who to pushed you movie. to move to L.A. <laughs> wants you to watch one fucking comedy for her, and you don't even do it. Uh, we watched Glass Onion instead. It was so good. Oh, okay. You know what? Glass Onion was really, really yeah. good. Okay, well, this is recently she was telling you to watch this? Yeah, literally like uh, a few weeks ago when she was here for Christmas. We went to Cobb and then we came back. We hung out for like a few days, but Aww. we watched a lot of movies <laughs> together. Sorry, guys. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Dancing on My Own by Robin. Um, Episode six of the show Queens that I worked on. I used it as an end credit. Oh! <laughs> okay, well, that's not the answer, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, Great song. Great song. Um, let's see. What was it known for before that? Um, it's known on a specific television show. Mm-hmm. And well, I technically it, got it right. It was when <laughs> you did technically no, get but, it right. But like where it came from, which came out like probably 10 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. It's an HBO show. And the person is dancing song. on their own in the scene. Judd Apatow produced this show. I don't know. I'm sorry if it's another one that I haven't seen. You guys are going to hate me. Girls. I haven't seen it. <laughs> you need to watch more women-led oh my God. fucking right. film and TV. This is nuts. I know. <laughs> you, um, you work for a I very have, powerful woman. <laughs> I do have an extra one, and I have to do this because it's Eric. Okay. SpongeBob. Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Um, it's in a movie? Hold on. It's, sh- it's a show. Um, okay. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Don't give me those eyes. You're like so disappointed in me. I didn't even have a chance to think yet. <laughs> you um, shouldn't have to think. 
One of my favorite songs. Um, fun fact: I brought it back in 2022. He did. I sang it. He, at, you were the on, one. I sang it 2021 yeah. on New Year's Eve when the clock basically struck midnight, and yeah. I was like, "This song's gonna be huge in 2022." It made a comeback. Everyone started TikTok putting it on TikTok or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And what was the song that you brought back? Gimme, 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 a man after midnight. Yeah. Now everyone's obsessed with it, and it was just in um, Welcome to Chippendales. I think. <gasps> oh, I, I think yeah. I sang. Oh, it's that. a really great show. It's phenomenal. Um, music's great, but it's not like just a show about just like male dancers. There's right. a lot of drama that happened to Chippendales and like murders and like betrayal. Of course, like, there was even a was documentary crazy. on it recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna watch that next. But Gimme Gimme is in there, and I think I sent you the video. I was like, yeah. it's everywhere now. Um, okay, so back to Natasha Bedingfield TV show. Um, I don't know. It's iconic. It's another MTV one. I don't watch a lot of MTV shows growing up. I know. You I'm know this. so sorry. Um. I don't know. The Hills, I which we talked, we talked about Laguna I'm Beach oh. being a spinoff of. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why. Okay, we, that's okay. why I looked because I was like, oh, oh, just I was like, I know this. he's gonna know this. We've had this. Yeah, conversation. a lot of the shows like that. Like, I just, I just didn't watch growing up. Um, that's. I mean, it's fair. Mm-hmm. You got <laughs> one, two, three, four. We're teeing it up. Teeing it up. Um, five, six. You got six out of how many? Ten. Okay. That's, that's pretty a good. B minus. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I expected you to give better. I, I really, I really but, did. But granted, the other ones were shows I didn't see. Yeah, right? that's okay, true. but you should just know. Uh, They're guess. iconic. You're a, this is your job. I know, but <sighs> see, here I am pushing people, being well, hard on people. Okay, <laughs> it should right be a seven because I got the Robin. Yeah, that's true. He did. You got use the it. what? Robin. Robin dancing on my own. He used it. <laughs> okay, but it's it's for the shows that they're. I thought you guys were. Be- I thought you guys were being cute. Like, oh, Eric. Like he's he's our guest. Like, let me look up like songs that he used. And you're like, oh, Robin. I was like, oh, thank oh. you guys are so cute. No, you guys are tricking me. <laughs> you weren't tricking you. You did you listen to the instructions? The instructions uh, were okay. iconic for where they became. And also, I could take one away from you because also Hannah basically gave you one of the answers. And she said, you've said this before. Oh, okay. So I gave that to you, so you still got a six. Next, we have episode 25 with Alejandro Valtiera. We have How Did We Get Here? And we talk about Beef, the show on Netflix. So Alejandro is a writer, actor, producer, publisher, and co-host of the Damsels in the DMs podcast. I met him through Nesotros Latinx events, and you'll see that his energy is just so warm, and I must say he has one of the coolest voices that I've ever heard, so that alone should make you listen to his full episode. Alejandro starts stars in the series Undocumented Tales, which just had a screening at the USC Boulevard Theater, and he performed in Small Town Boy at the Brisk Festival in LA. We are back with one of our favorite segments called how did we get here? So we are going to take a scenario, occupation, inciting incident, etc., from a TV show or film and imagine what it would be like if we were the characters. Beef is a dramatic miniseries where Amy, played by Ali Wong, gets into a road rage incident with Danny, played by Stephen Yun. Um, and they start an over-the-top feud that, spoiler alert, ends in murder and even a potential love between the two main characters. So, Alejandro, if you were to get into an explosive feud with someone like Ali Wong's character, hypothetically, of course, 
How would the beef start, and what are the great lengths you would go to to get back at your new mortal enemy? The more fun you have with this, the better it is. Well, <laughs> I would have to say it started at closing time at a donut shop. <gasps> and see, I may have been waiting for a while because there may have been a customer in front of me taking a painstakingly slow amount of time trying to select the donuts for their whatever they were going to. I may have been there because I was waiting to get a large supply, perhaps a dozen, maybe two, for oh, okay. guests at a gathering that I was invited to go to, but that I am running late for. So I'm in kind of a hurry. Naturally. Naturally. Oh, the white rabbit, my goodness, we must hurry. <laughs> oh. So my irritation level rises because it's almost like the process of decision-making becomes slower bizarrely enough so you know they they leave leaving me with nothing but maple donut selections and a <gasps> scattering of donut holes not bait not no. maple not maple i no. hate uh, maple. maple is the worst it maple is, is the worst in my oh. roommate who is in the room right behind us loves maple oh but we need we need to have a debate right now Braxton. we need to have a debate about that no what dustin is it dustin Bra what? Braxton. 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 braxton we need to have a conversation about I'm the confused. maple donut situation clarify elucidate why it is such a significant flavor. I can't. So I'm not a super violent or aggressive person. Sure. But in this instance, I may or may not want to do a little like shoulder shimmy a little too aggressively to the point where the donuts may or may not fall onto the ground. Because similar to a story that you shared once about a, either a cupcake or a muffin on this podcast. A muffin, yes. My thought is... If I cannot have these damn donuts, then nobody will. So for that reason, that I feel like that would be my inciting moment and that would be my method of resolution, at least for, you know, um, resolving the ire that was so fervent within my veins. On the other side of that, though, I feel like if it were to go a more romantic route, I think I may fall in love with this person for being so selective about their donut choices and for taking the time to make choices for the guests that they may be trying to sur surprise. Or you could literally just try and manipulate the situation and make them think that you were really interested in them and then invite them to your party so then you would still get the donuts. <gasps> I love this solution. And then True. no donuts on the floor. No Boom. donuts on the floor. They are saved. And Safe donuts. You get to, you get <laughs> to, get to enjoy them. <laughs> yeah. And then you didn't even pay for them either. Ooh, look at this. We True. love a bargain. Hello. We love a scam. <laughs> and a scam. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, we have episode two, guest Kelsey Dara. We did Let's Rave About It, and we talked about us. <laughs> Kelsey Dara is a producer, author, screenwriter, podcaster, content creator, and director, just to name a few. She's also a writer. I met Kelsey years ago when we lived in the same apartment complex, and I've been lucky enough to get close with her and work with her since. And when I say this girl is a total fucking powerhouse, I mean, wow. Like, you name it, she can do it, and she gives it her all every damn time. 
She has successfully grown her own brand and her own podcast, Confidently Insecure, since her episode. She's been working on a Don't Panic yoga retreat coming October 2023 to bring some of her confidants and fans together to showcase her book, Don't Fucking Panic, and use the curriculum in that workbook to help ease anxiety, heal people's inner child, and so much more. And also, Kelsey was our very first guest, so we had to end with her. And, of course, one of our favorite segments is one where the guest compliments what they love about us. So, naturally. Yeah. Let's rave about it. Which, normally, this would be a, about a topic or a situation, like, pertaining to the industry in some way. Mm-hmm. It could even be, like, a new show you're gagged over. Or like, mm. However... We figured since we all know each other, it would be cute as fuck to rave about each other. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So like backstory, Kay has every year these insane birthday trips because (laughs) only child syndrome. And (laughs) she makes everyone attending go around and do this. It's like a it's sort of like you're going to a retreat every year and you're just meeting new friends and you're like, oh, okay, well, like, let's like, I'll tell you one good thing about you or I'll like, I've only spent a couple hours with you, but this is what I like about you kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Because, well, I do that because first of all, I have a lot of different friends from like different friend groups. So essentially they don't really know each other that well. And I feel like it bonds them like immediately Mm -hmm. and then also makes them feel special. And sometimes you have no idea what people think about you like they could be shocking yeah Mm. so it is it is a bonding experience because i feel Mm. like i've connected with all of your friends more every (laughs) year (laughs) see i'm like okay this uh, who's gonna be there this year it's oh okay i remember them from last time we did this yeah it's cute yeah so let's start with our lovely guest what would you like to rave about, Kelsey? So I'm so bad at taking compliments. It's something I'm working on. So I'm going to try my very best not to not to say anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, no, we're all gotta, working on this together. That good. I'm the same. So you gotta, okay, just let it sink in. Sure. So personally, uh, I would like to rave about Kelsey's vulnerability. Aww. I've had the privilege of reading some of her work and she really goes there in every story that she tells, which I so appreciate, mm-hmm. not only in her scripts, but in her book, Don't Fucking Panic, which you should all buy. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, she peels back the layers and really shows her heart and soul, no matter how dark it may be. It's pretty dark. Um, yes. It's blacked out in there. <laughs> yeah. Which is something I tend to be scared to share with people. You know how mm. fucked up I really am. Oh, there's um, both of you. Come on. Yeah. So I commend you for doing it Aww. so shamelessly. Oh, thank you. That was hard to sit and accept. And I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. got you got one more. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I also admire your vulnerability, but I want to rave about your drive and your creativity. Ah, it's crazy because I've known you for so long now and I've been lucky enough to see you do so many different, whether it be DIY projects at home and like working with you on different things that you have, you are a creative force and seeing you and even watching your short film, which I I mean, everybody, everybody watch in your head. It was crazy (laughs) on her YouTube. We will want to talk about dark. Yeah. (laughs) It's 
so good though. And you, you really you. are such a creative force and Aww. I commend you for that. You're incredible. So Thank you're you. constantly striving for bigger and better and mm. you constantly hit it. So guys, it really does feel like my birthday. I can't stand <laughs> oh. it. Thank you. <laughs> so kind. Of course. Happy, happy late birthday. Yay. Yes. Leo season. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, you've mm. worked with Hannah. You were neighbors. What would you like to rave about her? Oh my gosh. I would love to rave about Hannah. First of all, she is so fucking kind that you're like, at first you're like, this can't be real. This can't be the way this person is all the time. And she actually is even in moments of crisis, which there have been a lot. <laughs> she is still like the smiling one looking for solutions. I hate people that are like, no people. Like when you say something and someone's like, no, Hannah has literally never said no to me in my entire life. She's always <laughs> been like, yes. And we're going to figure it out. And we're going to do this or like this. And she really loves women, which I really love. She's really, she's a good friend just above everything else. And like, God, if I had to be friends with me, I would be so annoyed by me with like the amount of things that I will just randomly text her and ping her about. And she's always like on top of it. So like not only just your kind spirit, but your ability to be adaptable and a problem solver and like a yes woman, which is like needed. In this oh, world. yeah. <laughs> Queen. I love you. Thank it's you. Uh, yeah. Well, mine, mine is uh, blushing. <laughs> Yeah, you are. I, know, I, can I, actually, feel. I, can, I can actually see it. <laughs> it's the Leo in us. We're like, it is. no, compliment. We're like, stop, but keep going, but don't. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. Well, I'm going to take a different spin on this and rave about Hannah's predictability. Ah! Which, hear me, hear me out. Uh, I find it comforting that I usually know exactly what I'm going to get with Hannah. Uh, she likes the things that she likes. She always wants to smoke weed. She won't turn down eating things with me. She almost is always wearing the same kind of outfit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> comfy, comfy clothes always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're comfy house. But as someone who gets anxiety about things like beyond my control, when I'm paired with somebody unpredictable like myself, it can get a bit scary. So for those reasons, I think we fit very nicely together and you very comforting that I, I just know what I'm going to get with you. Aww. Yeah. That's so sweet. That. that makes me happy. And also don't think we forget about you. Oh, no bitch. Cause now we have to, we have to rape about you. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll, do you want me to kick it off or would you like to kick it off, Kels? Uh, I'll go first because I already know <laughs> what I'm going to say. This bitch, first of all, stylish as hell. I remember that was like one of the first thing I things I thought. And she's got such a presence about her. Like, I remember you coming in the room and immediately being like, whoa, this woman commands presence. This woman commands respect. And she's cool about it. She's not like obnoxiously loud attention seeking the way that I am about it. Like you just effortlessly command attention. And I also really appreciate your ability to know what you want. Like since the time I've known you and like watched you be doing things, you haven't really wavered about what your goals are and what your dreams are. And you're not afraid to just go for it. And that's a really 
like, I hope you never lose that trait because that's such a strong trait to have. And other people look at you and go like, oh, wow. Okay. If she's doing that, then like, I need to have my shit together, you know? So I think you're just like a really good role model for people. Oh my gosh. See, isn't it fun? So accurate. And that's kind of, that's kind of dipping back into like the first episode of what I said about you. Yeah, how you helped. Oh, it's all coming full circle. I love a full circle act three moment. Yes. And I'm going to, I'm going to spin it. I'm going to kind of spin it back and talk about how I love your, your humor and your storytelling because Mm. your ability to tell a story, it could be the most minuscule story of your life, but she will take (laughs) you on a roller coaster ride of emotions throughout the whole thing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you do it, but I applaud it. And it, you just keep people engaged and you just, you have this light about you that shines whenever you're telling a story and you may not be able to see it, but I think the people around you can, and it's just a beautiful thing to watch. It's infectious. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I chose that as a career then. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You're in the right, you're in the right place. 